everybody this is rainy with fanny Lou's children a podcast by me where i talk to people who work to exact change in their communities just as fanny lou hamer did it's um it's a nod to my shiro fanny lou hamer voting rights and civil rights activist born in rural mississippi in 1917. um that song you just heard was by the dramatics i cried all the way home is the name of that track um i'm kind of having a good time experimenting with this podcast, adding, um, you know, learning how to loop music to it. And uh, I'm not very technical about these things and I'm kind of self-taught, but it just proves to me that you don't have to be an expert at everything and you don't have to be perfect. You just need to be willing to be a good student. So as I'm getting ready, um, doing some research for a couple of podcasts this week with a couple of interviewees, Um, I do these solo every once in a while, but normally I interview people who I consider experts on a certain topic or people who just have something to say. Um, I got to thinking about, you know, all the topics that we as black people allow ourselves to be consumed with, especially the ones that are just really negative. You know, the kind of topics we're talking about, like, let's say these conversations that are going around about comparing black women to white women, who's better for black men, uh, our appearance, uh, black women's attitude, you know, this and that. And um, I remember, and especially the um, topic of misogyny, but I remember making a post a couple of months ago about Kevin Hart when he stepped down as uh, decided to step down as a host for the Oscars. Black men were angry. Um, black women, women were making comments about the fact that he was so homophobic and he was such a, he was so, such a misogynist and a a man, a black man even commented on my post and, um, made a comment to me and said, you know, basically Kevin Hart, you know, he apologized. Why are black women still so angry about that comment he made about black women? Um, you know, we should just learn how to you know, take our losses. He apologized. That was good enough. And then he went on to say that, uh, to suggest that maybe I had been discriminated against, uh, because of my skin tone. And that is very, you know, that's just kind of common right now, you know, and, and, and as we grab grapple and, and grasp a hold of these uh, topics that people put out there that divides us even more, it's just, you know, it's just kind of sad to me that we are, um, allowing uh, conversations about this, having conversations about this, especially in view of the fact that, you know, we're still getting getting um, killed at the traffic stop. You know, the things that we should be talking about, we don't touch those. We'd rather um, have conversations, black men and women, about the things that are used to um, break us down. And I remember um, the, uh, you know, Malcolm X is my one of my favorites. Um, I remember uh, when I, you know, 
I don't really remember this in the book, but in the movie, well, I don't remember in the movie, but in the book, I kind of remember today about um, the autobiography of Malcolm X, where it was um, stated. Now, I, I did get a chance to go and find some cliff notes of the book, of the movie, of the book. And, you know, with his father being uh, a reverend and being um, uh, activist and, 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 and militant, so to speak, and um, a protege of Marcus Garvey, I remember, and I read this today, was kind of shocked uh, to see this, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's the truth. So I mean, it's news, it's, it's written out there. So these are from some cliff notes from um, the book, Alex Haley's book on Malcolm X. Malcolm's father was Earl Little, a Baptist minister by profession. He was also an organizer for the, for the Militant Universal Negro Improvement Association, a black nationalist group led by the Jamaican Marcus Garvey. Um, Malcolm remembers him as confident, self-sufficient, willing to stand up to white men. And it was this aspect of his personality which resulted in his death. His organizing activities in Omaha, Nebraska, caused trouble with the Ku Klux Klan. His house in Lansing, Michigan, was burned to the ground by white racist group, the Black Legionnaires. And it's likely that this group murdered him. Reverend Little was vociferously, vociferously proud of his blackness and proud of his African heritage. Yet he seemed to have been a victim of white brainwashing. That is, he preferred his lightest skinned child, Malcolm, to all the rest. You know, I, you know, it just tells us how deep brainwashing goes. And even in those of us who try our very best, you know, brainwashing, it does run, it runs deep. Here's, I just want to read a few things from a few notes from this article written by a lady named Peggy Packer. She wrote this. It was published in the Lumberjack, North Arizona University Student Voice um, publication. And she did this in September of last year, 2018. And this is what she says. Racism is more than just black and white. Colorism is the discrimination against someone with a dark skin tone, most often within the same racial group. In my own experience, colorism is far too common in the black community. Society tends to favor African-Americans who have lighter skin for no other reason than the fact that they appear somehow less black. Why do you think we rarely see dark-skinned men and women in movies and TV shows, let alone playing lead roles? Why do you think so many of the people who claim they are attracted to African-Americans seem to not only like the lighter ones? It is not because they are smarter or more attractive or better in any way for that matter. It is because they are light-skinned and deemed more acceptable by society. The world has been brainwashed into falsely believing that lighter is better um, she has a quote here that says, yeah, they're black, but they're not really black, except we are. The saddest thing about colorism is the fact that colored people are the biggest perpetrators. We fail every time that we choose to ignore colorism. I'm guilty of this myself. She says she's a light-skinned, mixed-race black woman. Up until a little over a year ago, I ignored the fact that colorism existed. I ignored the many times people use light skin or mixed as a compliment toward me. Ignored the times people would compare me to darker girls. I completely failed to understand how this fetishizing of light-skinned black people would affect 
the self-esteem of those darker than me. Just because we think it doesn't affect us when in reality it really benefits us doesn't mean that we can just ignore it. Ignoring colorism means that you are okay with being a fetish, with letting people talk down on dark-skinned people in order to lift you up. Being a light-skinned black person who ignores colorism is selfish and wrong. How can we claim to be against racism but perpetrate a different form of it within our own community? It is important for us to all understand our worth and know that we are more than just a shade of brown. We have to stop letting people feed us this messed up idea that you aren't valuable unless you're light. We have to push the entire black community to stop embracing colorism. We have to end the rhetoric that light skinned is better and that dark skin means ugly. So, you know, I know that brainwashing it runs deep. I mean, it runs, can run generations, you know, from even grandparents, great-grandparents, you know, when a new baby is born in our community. These are just examples of, I remember my grandmother telling me and people telling me that black people used to pinch the bridge of the nose of black babies so, and, you know, so that it wouldn't spread. And we all know the story of my home state where colorism was abundant, where people did the, you know, the, the, the brown paper bag test. If you were darker than a light, than a dark, than a paper, than a brown paper bag, you were shunned. I just, you know, in closing, I'm hoping that our community will do a little bit, will do a little bit better job of dealing with the issues that are at hand that really affect, uh, that really affects us. Um, race relations in this community, in this, in this country has gotten a lot worse. We can't pretend just because we can walk around and smile and go dancing and, and, um, you know, go out and hang with friends does not mean that, you know, racism does not exist. It just, you know, and we have to stop putting down those um, issues to the side that we should really concentrate and work on. That's all I have to say about that tonight. I will talk to you again um, third, tomorrow night where I interview a young man on the topic of uh, misogyny in our community. See you then.